What's going on, everybody? My name is Abraham, and welcome to episode number 17 of the podcast. In this episode of the podcast, I interview my good friend, Justin Schenk, who is an entrepreneur, a speaker, and the host of the Growth Now Movement podcast that is uh, Inc. Magazine top-rated podcast with over 2 million downloads. And in that podcast, Justin interviews some of the biggest icons and thought leaders of our day and age. Think Andy Frisella, Dean Graciosi, Ed Milet, Bert Kreischer, and more. In this episode, we dive deep into Justin's journey transitioning from his nine to five to becoming a full-time podcaster and then building a business on top of that. So without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome to the show. Super stoked to have you on here. Uh, first of all, thank you for doing the podcast. Um, for those who don't know, Justin is someone that I met when I was just getting started in my own journey. Uh, matter of fact, the, the way that I met Justin was I was looking for ways to generate business. And I remember I had this meeting. And I stopped at this coffee shop and I found a business card that said, hey, if you suddenly like, if you need new clients, like hit me up. And and I, I was, it's perfect. This is exactly what I need. So I reached out to Justin. We had a meeting. And, and back then you were working for the Chamber of Commerce um, in, in writing. And I remember you were doing sales for them. And I had no idea how to, I was beginning with my journey. So I had no idea how to get clients. Um, and we got in touch and you told me, Dude, like this is where all the local business owners kind of meet up. And that's that's how I initially uh, met you. And you started to slowly transition out of that corporate position into entrepreneurship. So uh, today you have a podcast um, company where you help other people launch, grow, and scale their podcasts. Everything from production to, I believe, marketing and even placement, right? Um, uh, you also are the host of a podcast that you're on episode 419, over 2 million downloads, uh, which is insane. It's been really cool seeing your journey. So I'm super stoked that, that you're on here. The reason I wanted to bring you on is because, again, you made that transition. So this has never been easier podcast. And what I do here is, is I deconstruct how you made it happen, right? How you made it happen. Um, the whole premise of the podcast is that it's never been easier. And um, doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. And we were just just talking about that, but it's never been easier with the tools that we have available. So let's start back when I first met you. This was about four or five years ago. You were still working for the Chamber of Commerce. When did you start to transition and decide to go all in in what you're doing now? Yeah, man. So that's a really good question. And so first of all, kudos to you and, and the growth that you've had over the last four years. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's been a fun journey to watch. And I'm glad we're having this conversation. I'm excited to have you on my podcast in the future here shortly as well. And, um, you know, it, it, so yeah, I, I applaud you, man, because, you know, it, it is, it's never been easier, but it's not easy yeah. uh, to truly build a successful business. And, and the truth is, when I met you, I was building a business just on the side. And I did the typical thing most entrepreneurs do, which is once I make a little bit more money, then I'll leave my job. Once I make a little bit more money, then I'll leave my job. And it just kept growing and growing and growing to the point where I ended up living like a dual life. Like I was, I had this podcast that at that point had already been recognized by Inc. Magazine as a top eight podcast every entrepreneur should follow. But I, I still had to pad my income and I did that by having a full-time job mm -hmm. uh, and then balancing this thing that I was attempting to build. But the reality is until we have the, opportunity to fully go in, it's, it's really, really difficult to build the lifestyle that you want to build the income that you need to do all those things. So you have to get uncomfortable in order to get comfortable. And I didn't know that at the time. And so what ended up happening was, um, you know, I, I got, I, pay, I got paid decently with the chamber, uh, it more than paid my bills and I got to live the lifestyle that I wanted. And that that's what kind of made it difficult to be like, okay, I'm leaving. Uh, and what happened was the chamber, uh, decided to, to leave for me. And so they ended up firing me, uh, when I worked there, which is, it's a whole backstory that we don't have nice. to get into. Um, but, but the reality is that gave me the opportunity to say yes to myself. It gave me the opportunity to say, okay, now I'm going to take this chance. Now I was making good money, uh, but here's the secret for me before I became a full-time entrepreneur. I live paycheck to paycheck. So I live like a king, but paycheck to paycheck. And so what ended up happening was I got fired from my job. Uh, after I'd already committed to speaking at an event in Florida, this is before, uh, I, I like got paid to speak. Now people pay me to come and, and speak to them, but this was me like paying my own way, paying for the hotel, paying for my flight, uh, just for an opportunity to get on stage to help build my credibility. 
and I got fired and I had a choice right then and there. I, I said, okay, I either need to com- um, pay my rent or go down and speak at this event in, in Florida. And I ended up going and speaking at this event in Florida and made some really good connections and ended up speaking to a guy who's now a really good friend of mine named Mike Kim, who was another speaker at the event. And he said a couple things that changed the direction of my life. And I went home and I ended up making $22,000 in the next three weeks. And I, and I never looked back. And it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, I, now that the these chains are off, now that I can fully commit to myself, then everything started to fall into place. Then things got easier. Um, and yes, it, it began with podcasting, and I still am a part of that world. And I, I'm actually part of three companies that are in po- the podcast space. But you know, I help individuals build their brand, and I help some of the biggest influencers in the world, similar to you, uh, to really help get their message heard, to kind of shift their brand at times. Like, I, I worked with somebody who was in the fitness space, and we shifted her to mindset and business. And so I do a lot of that stuff and help people rework their stories. And, and you know, it's been a constant evolution, which I'm sure we'll get into in this conversation of, like, where it all began to what it is now. But but really, the thing, the big catalyst was saying 100% yes to myself, uh, and then being able to go all in without the stress of balancing, you know, a double life, which so many entrepreneurs with side hustles uh, end up doing. Totally, totally. I love that. I love the fact that life has a way of kind of nudging you like, hey, Justin, you should be you should be going in this direction, right? And if you don't do it, life often will do it for you. In your case, it did so by you getting fired from the chamber of commerce, right? Um, and when you do commit, I notice that there's also this thing that starts to happen where the right people start showing up in your life, the right doors are opened. Um, and in your case, by going down to this conference, by you committing fully to the thing that like you knew you were supposed to be doing, um, you met this person. And then I got to ask, how did you end up crushing those $22,000 in three weeks? Yeah, it was really more of a mindset shift. Um, you know, I was so essentially the conversation that I had with him to go into detail. Uh, so I owned a podcast production company, which I still own today, which I do. The cool part is I do almost none of the work. Um, but, but, but still own the company. Um, but I was literally competing to go broke and that's how he worded it to me. He's like, you're competing to go broke. You're in a space right now where people are are charging less and less and competing for that time. And you're just going to be there. Uh, And he goes, you need to start positioning yourself as the Inc. Magazine expert that you are in the podcast space and position yourself you know, face forward. And so I started doing that. And so now I'm, I unapologetic, I unapologetically charge more for my services than anybody else. Um, but then also position myself in a, in a coaching way as well with certain people, uh, with the, the right people. So I work specifically with seven figure influencers, um, who aren't going to nickel and dime me, who understand what they're paying for. Um, and before I was just, I was holding on to any scrap that I can. Like, it was like, I had the, my clients were the biggest pain in the butts. Like they were nickel and diming me left and right. And I was just trying to pick up the, the pieces. Uh, and that mindset shift of being like, well, no, I'm the expert in this space. I should get paid to be the expert uh, allowed me to charge more, allowed me to charge more up front and sign some really cool contracts and work some, with some really cool people. And, um, you know, I've been able to do that time and time again since, since that moment. And that was, that was, I think that was just about four years ago, right around this time. It's crazy what a little mindset shift can do to your business. Uh, when, I, when I start working with people, I always look at the first of the mindset, right? Like what are the beliefs are in place because that's a operating system that that's running the whole show. Mm-hmm. So uh, the name, uh, the overarching theme of your brand is growth. Uh, the name of your podcast is the Growth Night Movement. The name of your event that you put on, it's the Growth Night Movement Live, right? So uh, let's start there. What does growth mean to you? Uh, I, I really believe in, and I think it's changed over time and evolved. And so the kind of the story behind the podcast was I was originally going to sit down and interview entrepreneurs and pick their brain because at this point I had three failed businesses under my belt. And I was like, clearly I'm doing something wrong. What can I do to, to really ask the experts, so to say? And that was the original idea behind the podcast. And what ended up happening was six months before I launched the show, uh, my mom lost a 20-year battle to opioids. Mm-hmm. And it completely changed my thought process about what life was all about. And so it started with the idea of, hey, let me go build the successful business, go make the millions of dollars, get the nice house, the nice car, the hot girl, all the things that society says I should get, and then I'll be happy. Uh, and that's what growth was for me. Let me grow into this person of entrepreneurship and all these things. And uh, when my mom passed away, I realized that that had nothing to do with life because it can be taken away instantly. It can be taken away tomorrow. So how do I enjoy every single moment? Uh, and the secret is to c- constantly grow. 
to realize that there is no end game to life, right? There's no end goal. Uh, re- the reality is we all end in the same place and that's in the ground or whatever the case may be. And so we have to enjoy the process. And so growth now to me is about constantly improving on who we are in all aspects of our life, specifically what I call the four pillars, which is business, relationships, wellness, and spirituality, uh, and constantly growing and enjoying the process. Uh, you know, and and I, what I mean by that is don't just celebrate the wins. Understand that there's going to be losses. There are going to be things in your life that you're going to need to overcome, but that's also a gift. Uh, and you know that whole idea of like life is happening for me instead of to me. And that's what growth is to me now. Uh, and what happens on the back end to that is I know this is an entrepreneur driven podcast, what happens at the back end of that is you, you reap the rewards of the work that you're doing a lot of times just for yourself. You know, when you commit to yourself, whether it's your health or your relationships, the other things fall into place. You know, you'll have healthier friendships, you'll have more money, you'll have the opportunities in life to create something great for yourself. And so if you can constantly grow in every single moment uh, in all those aspects that we just spoke about, that is what it, life is all about. That is, that is really the, the essence of everything. Because, you know, I can honestly say that I could walk outside after this conversation and die and be fulfilled. Uh, because I'm constantly fulfilled in life, even when things seem to be falling apart. Um, and that took a lot of work. Like that was my growth. That was the thing that I needed to figure out. That was the thing that I needed to learn. And I did that honestly by interviewing some of the coolest freaking people in the world. Yeah. Speaking of uh, one of the people that you've interviewed and a podcast that I really enjoyed was Ed Milet. And with Ed, I was once at a conference where he was speaking and he was touching on growth. And growth as it relates to business. And the way he framed it was like his whole philosophy is like, my business is never going to outgrow me. You know, if I want to make more money, I have to grow as a person because who's making things happen? I am making things happen. So growth is, is it's something that's super important, an area that I always look at when it comes to, to coaching, right? It's like the entrepreneur in what areas do you need to grow and develop? Because um, it's, it's such an important piece of the puzzle so with your podcast being the growth now movement again you've interviewed over 400 people and you've interviewed some icons some very successful people some of the biggest influencers whether it's um at my led um or Bert kreischer comedian right i love that you started the podcast to see man like what am i doing wrong that i can learn from these people right so I would love to ask you, what have you learned from these 400 interviews? What patterns have you seen across these very successful people that are living lives that often we want to live and that are where we want to be? So what are some of those themes that you have been able to pull and extract from all those interviews? Dude, this is such a great question. And, and you actually accidentally kind of framed it perfectly by mentioning Ed Milet, then Burt Kreischer, because these individuals are clearly on different ends of the spectrum, right? Like totally. they're actually both behind me in photos and mm-hmm. you know, Ed's looking like a champ in a buttoned up shirt and Burt Kreischer has no shirt on. And so uh, it's, it's one of those things where like, how do you find the common theme behind all of these individuals that I've been able to interview? Now, keep in mind, I've also interviewed Trent Shelton and Andy Frisella and Dean Graziosi and uh, Gabby Bernstein coming back on the show for a second time here and and so like i've interviewed really the coolest people on the planet and and somebody had asked me a couple years ago what's the theme what is the thing that all of these people have in common um and i can say every single one except for one of the people and that happens to be bert um what they do every single day is the thing they have in common and it's the thing that we we don't realize all the time because we think that you know as uh, somebody in the self development space or somebody who's growing a business they think that they have to take care of everybody else first right We're, we tend to be givers a lot of the times and so mm-hmm. we we literally are pouring from an empty cup constantly. The greatest thing that I learned from every single one of these individuals was from a specific question that I ask on every single episode. It's a two part question. The first part is what's your definition of success. The second part is what are three things you do every single day to ensure that success for yourself? Now, obviously, their definition has changed, you know, depending on who it was and where they are in their life, et cetera. But the three things they did every single day was taking care of themselves in some way, shape or form, whether it was working out or meditation or reading or something along those lines. It was making sure they were filling their cup up. And as I didn't even realize this until somebody asked me, what's the common theme? And I kind of even took a step back and I went, that's it. And I don't do that. 
I was literally that person pouring from an empty cup. And yeah, I had moderate success. Like things were going really, really well in my life, but I was drained. I was empty. I wasn't happy. Like I was literally running on empty at all times. Uh, and so I began to make sure every single day, I now have four non-negotiables every single day to fill my cup. And what ended up happening was even if those are the four things, the only four things I do every single day, it's a successful day, number one. Number two, uh, opportunity ends up finding me instead of me having to go out and find it because mm. people are attracted to individuals who are happy, who are fulfilled, who feel good, who, you know, act happy, all these things, people are attracted to you and these opportunities start to come your way. And, and that was really the common theme. And, and honestly, when I, once I started to include that into my daily habits, everything changed for me. Business became a lot easier. I don't close deals anymore. This isn't like, what's the sales process? Uh, John Whitehall, I love you. But it wasn't like, what's your pain point? What's your sales process in order to get to a certain thing? It's none of that. It's about genuinely wanting to help because I have an abundance of life in me that I'm able to help. And so what does that look like and how does that align and all the things in between? And so I would say that's the common theme behind every single person I've interviewed. And, and still to this day, long after I've discovered that the answers remain pretty much the same about the things they do to take care of themselves. Now, I got to ask and dive a little deeper. How are you going about filling your cup every single day? What are the two to four things that you do to do that? Yeah. So I'll give you all four. So the first one is I move my body in some way, shape or form every single day, whether it's a three mile walk in the morning or some sort of exercise, whether it be lifting weights or hit exercise in some way, shape or form. Uh, today, I just took I just took a walk because I wasn't feeling I was like, this is all I got today. So I went and did a walk. Sometimes it's, you know, two exercises, but to make sure that my body is moving because I'd like to be on this earth for a long time. Uh, the second thing is I learn something new every single day, whether it's from a podcast, a conversation, reading a book, whatever the case may be, I, I make sure I learn something new every single day because look, I'm pouring into clients constantly. You're pouring into clients constantly. It's our job to constantly be learning, whether it's about life, whether it's about mindset, whether it's about wellness, wh whatever the case may be, we have to learn. So that's a non-negotiable. That's me filling my cup so I can help others. Third one is uh, I reach out to somebody I care about every single day to check on them. Just a quick, simple text to say, Hey, hope you're well. Or if I know they're going through something, Hey, how's everything going with that? Um, and just making sure that my relationships are intact. And a lot of times people are like, well, Justin, that seems like that's you reaching out and giving to other people. That's not for yourself. Um, but the amount of return I get in doing that really fills my cup. Uh, and then the fourth thing is I do a daily visualization practice, uh, which I go really, really deep into attaching my emotions to my visualization practice in order to make my actions seem a lot easier. Uh, because when you go, okay, where do you want to be in your life? And you attach that true emotion from your heart into that end point, the action is just a lot easier. Even if it's a pain in the ass to do the things that they want you to do that day, like it's a lot easier to take that step. And so those are the four things that really allow me to ground myself, to reset myself, to get the big vision, to fill my cup. Uh, and then honestly, at the end of the day, it allows me to pour into others. And so one quote that I took from Preston Smiles, who was on my show that I use all the time, which is what's in my cup is for me and what overflows is for everybody else. So I better do a really good job at making sure that my cup is overflowing because my ultimate goal in life is to give as much as I possibly can. That's so good. I often work with people that are just getting into entrepreneurship. And when you just get into entrepreneurship, you're so motivated. Your brain is just secreting dopamine because like you just love every step of the way. And I see people often overlook the filling your cup uh, side of things. And, and I see it all the time where it's like, that's sustainable for a week, two weeks, a month, two months. And right around that two month mark, I started to see the burnout happen. Um, the consistency falls off. Um, and it's such a big part of the puzzle. I, I really do believe in work hard, but also rest hard, because I understand that you have to have that balance and that ebb and flow. And it is the resting, right, the filling of our cup. Um, however, you may do that, that allows us to really have a significant output um, during work. So I want to transition a little bit towards the business side of things. Cause like someone might come across this podcast with you and they might look at your wall and they might see Dean and they might see Andy and at my let. Right. Um, and, and all of these and, and Bert and all of these people that, uh, that are very well positioned and, and your podcast, it's very well positioned now. Um, and they might say, well, I, there's no way that I'll ever be able to get an app on my show on uh, Andy on, on, and this is just like a metaphor for, for the giants that like we were always trying to conquer in life and in business. Um, 
but it wasn't always like this, right? So what was the process of positioning yourself as a top rated podcaster of positioning uh, the podcast and, and that kind of like premium extra positioning um, and then going on to land these amazing interviews with, with these characters. Cause I imagine landing uh, even, even on my show, like I've had some amazing entrepreneurs, but like, man, I would love to one day have Ed on my show. And when I look at that, like challenges, man, like, where do I start? Like, I don't even think that like right now, if I would reach out to Ed, he'd be like, oh yeah, I'll do your show. So yeah. What was that process like? Yeah, dude, it's, it's interesting. I think the first thing is you have to position yourself the right way. Like just from a straight business standpoint, uh, how are you positioning your podcast? Like, is it worth anybody's effort to get on the show, right? If you looked like a podcast that was thrown together by somebody on Fiverr for $5, mm -hmm. um, there you're immediately putting yourself at a disadvantage. The one thing, even when that my show did 30 downloads an episode, I was getting big names because my positioning was on point. Uh, my product looked good. And so when you do that, that's huge. Number two, everything you're doing has to align with your values. Uh, and by the way, by your values, I don't mean going and making a ton of money. Like nothing I do on my podcast is about making money. Um, sure. Sometimes I have a, a sponsor. If it aligns with my values, I say yes to them, but I've never went out and, and, and searched for a sponsor. Like currently I have a sponsor on my show, uh, by, by optimizers, but that's cause they align with my values. And so, yes. Okay, cool. We're on point with that. But again, you have to make sure that every single, every single thing you're doing is aligning with your values, right? Every time I've chased money, it eluded the shit out of me. But if I say yes to something that aligns with my values, it says it, it, it usually goes really, really well. Right. Um, and so to kind of take that a step further, that's the first two steps in the process, right? Position yourself the right way. Everything has to align with your values. But then number three, especially when you're reaching out to a big name, uh, number one, you have to ask. Most people don't even ask. And so since you realize that what, now, as I'm saying this to you, most people don't even ask. That means their inbox is not filled with people saying, hey, I want you on my podcast. Hey, I want you to do this. You know, a lot of times it's usually haters or, you know, people just making a ton of noise. Or a lot of times you'd be surprised because I have clients with millions of followers. Their inbox doesn't blow up as much as, as nearly as much as you would think. Um, so number one, you have to ask. But number two, you have to take two things out of the equation when you're asking these individuals to come on your show. Number one, uh, it's yourself. Like, take yourself out of the equation. Them coming on your show is not about you. It's not about growing your audience. It's not about any of that stuff. And you have to be truly honest with yourself saying that. Like, am I asking this person to come on my show because I think it's going to grow my audience? Or am I asking this person on my show because I feel like it's going to create an impact in the world, right? So start asking yourself those questions. The second thing you need to take out of the equation is the actual guest. Um, they're not coming on your show, especially if they have a massive following like Ed Milet. They're not coming on your show uh, to get more followers on social media. That's just the reality. And so don't promise them anything. Don't say, hey, come on and sell your book because mo the majority of shows are doing less than 100 downloads an episode and people know this now. Um, so if you really want to, what I do is I make everything about my audience. And so there's actually something specific that I say when I reach out to these individuals, whether it be on Instagram or Facebook or wherever. Well, number one, I usually hit them up on the spot where they're followed the least. That way it shows up a little bit easier. That's, that's a cool little tip. Um, but I say something specific. Actually, I, it's the same thing I say to every single person. But the most important line in what I say is I would love it if you would take some time out of your day to inspire my audience. Um, wow. So it's not about me. It's not about them. It's about taking a second to inspire somebody or to empower somebody or to whatever. Um, and so once you do all those things and that all falls in line, you're going to get a lot more yeses than nos. I've actually never gotten a no. Um, I've been ghosted or whatever, right? Like they don't reply sometimes, but um, I, mo a majority of the time they say yes. And they say yes pretty quickly. I mean, uh, a good recent example, I just recently had Ricky Williams on my show, you know, the all pro running back. Mm -hmm. and um who's now known for marijuana but uh, he's been known for that for a long time um but i reached out to him on instagram and i was like hey man you know i love he was building a new app and he started talking about astrology and i was like hey man i love what you're talking about right now um would love for you to come on my show and inspire my audience and literally within like 45 seconds he was like yeah sure he followed me back on instagram um he goes email this person we'll get it scheduled and and you know within a week i was i was interviewing him and so um it's really about being true to who you are living in your values and reaching out to make sure that hey let's let's inspire some people because that's what these people want right once you create a success in your life a lot of the times your goal is to help others in some way shape or form and the easiest way for them to do that is to come on a show and make an impact 
it's a lot of a lot of different directions I could take this <laughs> conversation. Uh, but I want to I want to ask I want to dive a little bit deeper into the tactics. So you mentioned messaging them where they're least likely to be messaged, right? What have you found out that are some some of the and this is a selfish question too. It, there are some of those places where you get the highest response rate. Is it email? Is it DMs? Is it, do you reach out with a handwritten letter? What does that look like? <laughs> uh, a DM is, a DM is the best. Um, emails get lost, right? Like we all, I mean, how many emails I've, I've gotten four, by the way, I've gotten four pitches during this phone call for people to be on my podcast. It's not an exaggeration. I saw it pop up in the corner of my screen. Mm -hmm. um, so like the inbox is really, really difficult, but when you get into the DMS, that's the best place to be. The nice thing about like Instagram, once you're in their DMS, you're, you're there. Uh, so if they accept your DM once every DM you send them after that, they're going to see. And so mm -hmm. if they don't say yes, right away, I usually follow up in a couple of days and said, Hey, I just wanted to follow up on this. Um, and then usually that's when I'll get a response. Um, and I'll usually say, you know, uh, look forward to hearing from you or I looking forward to connect, uh, just kind of assuming the sale type of type of thing. Um, but a DM is usually the best. Uh, Instagram has been really, really good to me lately, even though that's where a lot of their followers are. Facebook used to be awesome until bots got into it. Like Facebook used to be the go-to. Uh, and now they have all those bots answering messages on their pages and stuff like that. And so that got really, really difficult. Um, uh, if you can find the real accounts on LinkedIn and they're active on LinkedIn, that's a super like great way they're going to respond there because there's not a ton of people in the podcast space are reaching out to those types of individuals on LinkedIn. Um, but for me, my favorite and my, my go-to is Instagram uh, and just being consistent with it. Like if they don't re respond, hit them back again. And, and I'll tell you, like, if I really want somebody on my show, I'm super consistent. And, and to kind of give you an example, number one on my list is a, a singer named Andy Grammer. Um, and I talk about this often. I talk about it on purpose, hoping somebody's going to hear it and go, oh, I know him. I'll introduce you. Uh, but it seems like nobody knows him. I'm pretty well connected and nobody I know knows this guy personally, but uh, he's got a phenomenal story and I've always wanted him on the show. And I've gotten really close a couple times. Like they're like, oh yeah. I, the first time I reached out, he goes, yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. Reach out to my team and then got lost in the shuffle. Uh, and then since then, it's just been a constant, like every, every couple of months, I'll hit him up again, be like, Hey, I really want you on the show. Um, and it's always red because I'm in the normal inbox. Uh, it's just about, you know, executing on it. So it's about being persistent, not annoying, being persistent and constantly making it about more than you or them. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, you'll kind of win long-term, but yeah, man, Instagram is a go-to for me, but LinkedIn, if they're, if they're semi-active on LinkedIn, that's going to be a great place to go and really kind of get in front of them and they'll start replying. Plus you get an email notification whenever you get a message on LinkedIn. Right on. So the other thing that you mentioned that I found super interesting is like one of the pillars that allowed you to a get to where you're at is positioning. And, and for those that aren't familiar with the board, positioning is simply how the mark, how the market sees you, how you're seen by the market. But the thing about positioning is that it can and it should be influenced because you're essentially giving them a frame through which now they can see you through that frame that you give them. Hey, and uh, Dan Kennedy, he has this one quote that says, if you can't be the cheapest, be the most expensive, right? Like go for that premium positioning. Don't get stuck in the middle because you're going to be fighting um, a very, a very tough battle with the people that are going the cheapest or the ones that want to do business with the best in the game. Um, so uh, how did you develop that frame? Because I know... Uh, I've been following you for years now. And, and at one point I started seeing that position change to top rated podcaster, Inc. Magazine, right? Are you comfortable sharing how you were able to create that frame through, because once you create that frame and you give it to people, people see you differently because you're influencing that. So what did that look like? Yeah. So, so the Inc. article happened four years, four and a half years ago or something like that. Um, which is, which is really, really crazy to think about. So it actually happened. So this is wild. I'm going to go back really quick and I'll tell a story really quick of, uh, of everything. So what, my mom passed away in November of 2015. Um, and it was exactly to the day, two years later that the Inc. Magazine article hit. Mm. Like really that whole, and I know you're a spiritual person, really that whole kind of serendipitous, like, okay, hey, you're on the right, the right track, right? Right. And so first of all, four years ago in this space, it was a completely different space. And so I always like to say with this Inc. Magazine article, I did not pay for it. I did not 
buy my way onto a list. I did not do any of this stuff. So it's definitely different now, right? Yeah. Because uh, people are buying them. And then now the world really knows that, okay, cool, Fo- featured on Fox News. Well, I've been hit up by those people to get featured on Fox News 30,000 times. Like I know the move, right? Um, uh, so this was, this was actually given to me by somebody who happened to listen to my show and also write for Inc. Magazine. And he lived in Philadelphia and he reached out to me and he said, hey, um, Inc. wants me to write an article about podcasts. I would love to feature yours, but I don't really listen to many other ones. Can I buy you a scotch and we can talk about this? I was like, sure. And so we sat down, we had a scotch. um, And essentially, I I generated that list. Um, All those other names on there were because of me. Um, And I also positioned it the right way, right? Like, so I know Lewis Howes, who was on the list as well. uh, And I knew that if he was on the list, he would share it out. And I know at the time he had about a million followers across all platforms. He's got a lot more now, um, but combined about a million followers across the platform. So I was like, okay, if he's on the list and he shares it out, a lot of people are going to see this and they're going to see my podcast on this as well. Um, So that's a huge positioning tactic. I'm also going to give you the flip side of this as well in a second. So when this article came out, it got read by 160,000 people. There's a massive influx of people that came and listened to my show and I, I very quickly shot up the iTunes chart. I ne- had never ranked before in any of the subcategories or anything. Uh, and that day I ended up being number like 46 out of all podcasts. Um, so very quickly, a lot more eyes were put on to my show. Uh, and, and so I had a massive influx of listeners and then slowly they kind of dripped off. And then I was doing still very a lot better than I was doing before. And then it kept creeping up after that. And so here's what I did differently. I had some friends on the list that I put on there and I was like, Hey, here's a little nudge to you. I still think they should owe me money by the way for that. Um, And so they had the same influx and talking to them about a year after they go, Oh, I'm right back to where I was before. Mm. And honestly it's positioning, Mm -hmm. right? So it's okay, cool. You got the accolade. What are you doing with that accolade? It's never about the one-off shout out, whatever. Now keep in mind this article came out November of 2017 and it's still my first line in my bio. It's yeah. still the first thing people talk about. You got to use it. Because I, I was able to utilize it and yeah. position myself. And I've made tens of thousands, if not more of, uh, of dollars off of speaking and all these other opportunities because of Inc. Magazine. And so how are you utilizing the little wins, right? And sometimes in our world, whatever it may be, it might be a little win in our world, but to the rest of the world, it's a huge win. It's a huge win to be able to have Inc. Magazine to the rest of the world. Now, in our space now, it's like, okay, yeah, I probably know 50 people who've been recognized by Inc. Magazine now. Um, but Joe Schmo down the road who might buy your course or who might come to your live event or might whatever, Inc. Magazine, has that's still in a whole nother world to him. So it's really about positioning yourself face forward and say, hey, look, here's the accolades that I've had. And I've had some cool ones since then too, uh, but Inc. Magazine's still up there. Uh, and, and still my favorite because it was like the first nod I ever got on the podcast. Um, but really it was about constantly keeping it in front of people. Like, yeah, I'm an Inc. Magazine top rated podcaster. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Uh, and so the, the funny thing is, you know, people butcher it all the time too. Like it was a list of eight podcasts. People were like, oh yeah, top 10. And then people say he's a number one. I wasn't number one on the list on, on purpose, but like all those things happen now, uh, but it's just about, okay, how many times am I talking about it? How do I position that, you know, facing forward? It's on my Instagram bio. It's in my bio. It's, you know, on my website. So if you're able to do that, people are going to go, okay, cool. This guy's clearly credible and he knows what he's talking about and they're going to start paying attention. And then what are you doing after that on social media to show them like, here's my expertise, here's what I'm doing going forward. Uh, and that's, what's going to get you in the right place. And then once you're in a crowd, by the way, once you, once you've positioned yourself and you've been invited in, you just start getting introduced to people. Like a lot of my people on my show now are usually introductions or, or whatever. Um, and it's cause, but it was really that buildup of that introduction and, or, or of, you know, positioning myself to get into that room. And then once you're in that room and you can stay in that room, you start to meet the right people. Right on. I uh, love that story. goes to show the power of positioning. So let's transition a little bit into the business side of things. Cause yes, not yesterday, last week we had a conversation and you mentioned how you're essentially kind of living the four hour work week, right? Where a, your business is, is very automated. Um, a, I would love to, to pick your brain a little bit on the structure of your business right now and how you think about managing projects, about a, getting things done, getting new clients. What does that, what does that look like? Because a, 
what I love about your business is that it was built on top of you first started the podcast, then you transitioned into podcast production. Um, and for a lot of people, a, that's a natural transition, not, not in, in, the, in the podcasting sphere, but just in business, right? Like you start with one thing and then you realize, cool, like now I can build on top of this thing. Um, a, but there's a difference between like just having an offer and de- delivering that offer and then building a business and actually having people under you that allow you to deliver your service and actually allow you to work on the business, not inside of the business. So, so what does that look like? For yeah, you. So I look at tiers and teams, right? So everything that I position in my life, even the podcast coaching and production, it comes in tiers. Okay. What tier do you want to work at? The only time people work with me is priced at a tier that I go, okay, financially, I I'm willing to give my time to that. And that's different for everybody, right? Like, so like, what's your dollar amount that you're willing to say, yes, I'll do this. And you mm-hmm. have to stay true to that. Right. When I would, when I would set that tier and then I would start to waver and I'm all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm the guy playing down at the hundred dollar level. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm never going to win that way. And so the way that I've structured it is anytime I'm involved, the dollar amount or the person I want to work with is involved. Right. So sometimes we have a client come in that I'm like, I really want to be a part of this person, the, them building their, their thing out. I'll be involved. Right. Like I just had Lisa Nichols and worked with her from the secret uh, and worked with her and her team to build out a podcast and do all that stuff. And I was very hands-on. Um, they didn't necessarily pay me the amount that I would normally pay for my time, but I was like, I want to be involved in this and make sure it's, it's, you know, set up the right way. So when I began, it was very much just me, right? Like I, I was the one doing the clicking. I was the one doing the editing. I was the one doing the posting. I was the one doing all the things. And then slowly I began to build out, right? People want to go from, you know, nothing to having the team, having the structure, having doing all that stuff. To me, it's about one piece at a time, right? Going back to that initial growth that we were talking about and like, what does that look like? Um, so first it was just me. And then I was like, okay, um, now I'm going to hire somebody. And I hired my first person before I thought I was financially ready to hire somebody. But what ended up happening was when I hired that person and they were legit, that took a couple of people, by the way, uh, you learn real quick how to find the right people and how not, not to find the right people. Um, but once I found the right person, I had more time to free up to position myself. And a lot of my leads come from speaking, uh, whether it be at virtual events or in-person events or whatever. But it's really about, okay, well, how do I then funnel in the next person? So then I got that person and I was like, cool, do you have any friends? Because it's, it's, we need to grow this thing. And so what ended up happening was, and here's, here's the power. I built a relationship with this individual who's in India, uh, a really great human being who uh, I, he literally was teaching me business stuff at the same time I was teaching him business stuff. Like, that's how you know it makes sense. And I was like, do you have any friends? And he goes, I do. And what ended up happening was he built a team that I don't even manage. He manages the team and I just talk to him. And so the greatest structure in anything is to look at a big corporation and go, okay, who does the CEO really talk to? He's not talking to his thousand employees. He's talking to the VP or the president. And then they're talking to the next tier, the next tier, the next tier. And so I began to figure out how do I structure things that way where I don't want to spend 10 hours talking to 20 people. I want to spend one hour talking to one person and then they can go spend the 20 hours talking to the 20 people and then I'm good to go, right? And so really that's how I slowly built it out. Um, Everything for me has been one piece at a time. And then when I got to a certain level with that business, I go, okay, cool, we're making some good money. I'm okay with that. I don't need to fully focus on that really at all because I've got my guy. Um, Then other opportunities started to present itself. And I started saying yes to these businesses um, that my time wasn't that much as important as it was the stuff that I've learned. Right. So I'm part of two other podcast businesses that I've been brought in as an equal partner because I was the brain behind podcasting. Right. And so what what kind of time is that? Cool. One call a week. Okay, I think I can handle one call a week for this business that'll generate multiple six figures, if not seven figures down the road. And so we start to really position ourselves because we become the expert. And so everything that I do now, other than the podcast production, is really about being the expert piece within a business build out. Um, And the second thing I always say is it has to be in a line with creating an impact in the world. Not necessarily my impact, but it could be somebody else's impact, somebody else growing their story, whatever the case may be. Uh, And so the way I look at it is I only say yes if it takes time, if the dollar amount matches what I feel is right. Um, And then everything else goes to a team that I've been able to build out. And then any new project that I say yes to uh, usually has about a three-month window where it takes a little bit more of my time and effort. And then after that, it's pretty passive, right? Like 
maybe picking up one or two pieces of the slack, but it's really about I'm now in a place financially where we can build out the team before we even build out the finances of the back end. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. I love to nerd out on on tools and systems that, that you utilize. What are the top three tools that you're currently utilizing to manage your business? Yeah, I mean, Trello is huge. I use Trello all the time as far as a project manager. Uh, it's the one I, and I'm sure there's better tools now, but Trello I learned four years ago. <laughs> and so since simple I Simple and it works. It, it's simple and it works. Here's a fun fact. I am a Dropbox guy. Um, so in my business, especially the podcast production one, there's a lot of file transfer. Um, but I'm a Dropbox guy. The rest of the world is Google drive. I hate Google drive. Um, so Dropbox is probably my number two used, um, thing. And then, and then honestly, my third one is probably a couple of podcasting tools like audacity or Libsyn or whatever the case may be. The structure, I, I like to dumb things down because I'm not a tech person, which is funny because I'm in the podcast space. So I like to dumb things down as much as possible communication tools are really big. Uh, my one company uses Slack and I just, it feels so corporate to me. Um, but you know, we use that pretty often just to communicate back and forth and so on and so forth. So from, from those businesses, that's what I use. Uh, but then obviously for some virtual events that I've done, I've, I've used things like Excel events, um, and stuff like that. So it's always evolving and changing. Uh, it's what's feeding my business right now. Those are the tools that I'm using, but I think the thing that I use the most, meaning every single day is Trello. Um, just, just to, be, to have a bird's eye view on the projects that are going on right now and making sure they're moving in the right direction. And do, does it take my time? Do I need to do this? Whatever. Right. Like you talk about your, your work in the four hour work week and yeah, at times I am, I mean, but there's also seasons where things are busier. Like right now I'm in a busy season. Although when this calls over, I'm going to a cigar shop and having a cigar, but, but, but the point is like, you know, um, it's really about knowing what you want to handle and what you're able to handle at any given time. Right. You talked earlier about young entrepreneurs going through burnout. A lot of times the burnout is because they're chasing something that isn't actually of value to them. Right. Like money's cool until you have it. And then you go, oh, I literally burnt myself out. I destroyed relationships. I've destroyed all these things just for a dollar. Right. Um, so you I, I think the main thing is if you really want to work the four hour work week, by the way, Tim Ferriss created wrote the four hour work week and then never was able to work a four hour work week ever again because it became so busy. Right. So it's, it's kind of bullshit when you think about it. Um, but when you're doing what you love and I know this is cliche, but when you're doing what you love, um, you, you don't really work a minute in your day. Um, and so I would say I probably do 60 minutes of things I hate a week. Um, and that's pretty freaking amazing. Like, you said 16 or 60? Like 60 minutes of things that I don't yeah. like doing a week. Right on. So an hour a week of things I don't like doing. Um, and then during busy times, like even right now, I say that I'm busy. So I really only work half a day, but it's like a packed half a day, back to back to back to back to back. Um, when I'm not in busy season, like after my event, which I can't wait for from my own relaxing standpoint, I'll probably at least for the first month or two work about five hours. For, the, for those months. Um, and then I'll get back to it and start to build the next thing. And so building season's busy. Um, but then once you've built and launched and grown, I'm all about, okay, how do we take a step back? How do we breathe? How do we pour into the things that we weren't pouring into all that stuff? And, and uh, yeah, man. So longest answer possible. Um, that That's really for me. Like if you're in alignment, everything's going to fall into place for you. Yeah. It's, it's a cliche for a reason, right? Like do what you love and you'll never work day in your life. Um, so I'm very curious, you being so involved in the podcasting space, where do you see this space evolving into over the next five years? Yeah, you know, I think we're starting to see the beginning of it now. Um, it's more corporate control as we as it grows. Unfortunately. I see that. Yeah, like when I when I and it was funny, because if you asked me this question uh, two years ago, or a year ago, even my answer was because people ask me this question all the time. My answer was, um, you're going to see large corporations coming in and building out networks, like literal, literal networks, kind of like ABC also owns this, 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 and this, right? Or Disney owns this, 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 and this. You, uh, you'd start to see that. And now you're seeing it, but in, in a way I didn't notice, like Spotify coming in and saying, we're going to start buying up things and getting exclusivity rights and all that stuff. Um, the issue with that is what we're seeing now with Rogan, where there's censorship and all that stuff. And so in the podcast space, it's always been really cool for people because we can say what we want when we want. Nobody can tell us anything different. Um, but we're starting to see since you're starting to have all these exclusivities and a ton of money being thrown around, there's a lot more control and censorship. So where I really see it going now uh, is more and more platforms being built out for podcasts to be listened to. 
right? Like, uh, for instance, Andy Frisella, he talks all the time. He's like, I want to get these guys together and build our own podcast platform and charge 40 bucks a month for it. Uh, he's like, we'd have millions of people paying us 40 bucks a month to listen to our thing that none, of, I mean, other than Rogan, none of these guys make a ton of money on their show. Like Andy doesn't monetize his podcast at all. Um, and so you look at all that stuff and go, that's kind of what you're going to start to see built out people trying to take back control of this platform and podcasting. Um, and then find, and then people like me and you trying to find out where do we belong? Do we want to play over in this platform? Do we want to play over in this platform? And even the little guys, not, no, not necessarily being so big on how do I grow my audience, but how do I pour more into the audience I already have, um, than trying to get, you know, more downloads and more downloads and more downloads. So I think the funny thing is podcasters have, have always had control. We've just begun the phase of corporations taking control of podcasts. But then two years from now, after they've taken control, a year from now, after they've taken control, however quick it's going to happen, because we're living in a world where we can see how quick things can change, um, you're going to see the literally guy come back and say, no, I want control back. And that's where you'll see more and more platforms and opportunities come out of it. Yeah, I've started to see that. One of my favorite podcasts is uh, My First Million with Sam Parr and, Shan and Sean. And, and that's a podcast that's owned by the HubSpot network. And they're just picking up podcasts left and right. Um, do you think the podcast space is too overcrowded for those no. that might be thinking about starting a podcast? No. Um, now, it's funny for me to say no, because six years ago when I started my podcast, I would tell people I had a podcast and the response would be, what's a podcast? Uh, right. and now I say I have a podcast and that person who doesn't know I already have one rolls their eyes and says, oh, you have one too, right? Because everybody's got them now. But the reality is not everybody has them. Like there's 2 million active podcasts um, in the grand scheme of things. When you think about how many people are in the world, that's not a ton. When you compare that to YouTube channels, that's not a ton. Um, and then to break that down even further, about 750,000 of those podcasts post regularly. And so that takes it to a whole new realm. And then the podcast listenership, again, going back six years ago, people saying, what's a podcast till now that continues to grow. Uh, three years ago, I think something like 28% of Americans listen to podcasts on a regular basis. It's close to 50% now. Wow. Um, and so the listenership will continue to grow. Here's going to be the biggest difference. You can no longer just throw a show out there. You can't just take the easy step. You have to be formulated. You have to build the right way. You have to put the right pieces in place and you have to be unique, right? Like mine's a self-development podcast where I get to talk about my four pillars and talk to the people who go on every other podcast. But that's because I've gotten in the circuit where those are the shows that are getting listened to along with mine. Um, that's because I started six years ago. If I started the Growth Now movement today, I would have to be totally different. I would have to be really, really unique on the way that I'm approaching things and the way that I'm positioning things. Like I just got interviewed on a podcast yesterday uh, with the biz bros, really cool guys. I should introduce you actually. Um, they, they were talking about how, like, you know, when I started the podcast, the conversations were for me, like it was the things that I was trying to work through. So like, you'd see clump, clumps of like relationship experts and clumps of like wellness experts and clumps of business experts. And so they're like, oh yeah, the genius idea now would be to launch a show where you literally package them together, release them all at the same time, 10, well, you know, relationship, whatever. And so somebody goes, Hey, I'm struggling with relationships. And you go, okay, great. I've got these 10 episodes for you that you can listen to and, and fix your relationships. And so getting unique on how you deliver them, getting unique on all that stuff. That's what people need to do now. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that has changed, not necessarily the saturation of, because um, I don't know how many YouTube channels there are, but there's a lot more YouTube channels and podcasts. Totally. It's, it's figuring out what that value proposition is. I see too many people launching the first name show and I'm like, cool, but like, what's, what's the, what's the show about? Oh no, like I'm just going to sit down and talk to people. Well, like you're not really giving me a reason to tune in. Um, so hey, I want to be respectful of your time. And I know we only get a couple minutes left. Um, what would you say to someone that's where you were at five years ago during corporate, uh, maybe they got the side hustle, they got the, they were bit by the entrepreneur bug and, and they're thinking about maybe taking that leap, um, of faith and, and they're at that stage in that journey. What would you, what would you say to them? I think that they're in the stage or the season of their life that it's time for them to start saying yes, uh, a lot of times when we have that corporate job and we have the thing on the side, 
uh, we say no a lot more because we're afraid of our time or we're afraid of being drawn out of the comfort zone, being drawn out of the thing that's paying the bills. Um, but that is the time to say yes. That's the time to say yes to opportunities. That's the time to say yes to new things. That's the time to say yes to yourself. Um, and once you are able to own that yes, right, that, that movie, The Yes Man, mm-hmm. right, it's, it's real awkward, but he learned so much. Uh, and so, sometimes you have to go into a season of saying yes. And this, by the way, is even for veteran entrepreneurs. Like I, I went into a season of saying yes when COVID hit. I started saying yes to new opportunities that I would have never said yes to before and saying yes to people that I would have never said yes to before. Uh, and it created a ton of great opportunity, also a lot of failure, but a ton of great opportunity during that time as well. And so um, I would say start saying yes, and most importantly, say yes to yourself. Uh, we worry so much about pleasing others and making sure that we've you know, done the right thing. But start saying yes to yourself and understanding that exactly where you are right now in this moment is perfectly okay. Stop worrying about the influencers. Stop worrying about the people with millions of dollars or millions of followers and say yes to yourself starting today. And that's when the pieces start to fall into place and the opportunity starts to show itself because you start to show the world who you really are when you start to say yes to certain things. I love that, Justin. Thank you for sharing that. So I know you have two very big projects going on right now. You have your podcast and you have an event, which is a live event. Um, Tell people a little bit more about those and where they can go uh, to find you and your podcast. And if they feel compelled to come to your event, where they can learn more about that. Yeah, man, wherever they're listening to this show, they can uh, go find the Growth Now Movement. And if it's something they're enjoying and they're, they're riffing with, click that subscribe button and come on the journey with me because that's we're all on a journey right now. So if they can find me, they can uh, or find me wherever they listen to this. And then the next thing is my, my live event, which uh, is truly a life transforming, powerful, fun great way to, to build a community and, and learn from some of the top thought leaders in the world, like Nick Santanastas or Chris Van Vliet or whoever else is on the docket. They can go look, there's about 23 speakers or something like that. Um, but they can go to growthnowsummit.com. If they want to join us in person, which I highly recommend because it's all about connecting and growing, uh, they can get a ticket there. Or there's actually a free virtual option where they can tune in and see the speakers on the whole day Saturday. Uh, and so that's growthnowsummit.com. They can go grab the free ticket or they can come and join us in person. I think tickets start at like 197. So it's super affordable. And then come join us there. And we'll add all of that to the show notes. Justin, this was a blast. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to come and inspire my audience. Dude, I, I appreciate you. Nice little nod there, by the way. But uh, dude, thank you so much for, for having me on. And, and again, kudos to you. Can't wait to share your journey on my podcast. So that's another reason people should go subscribe to my show. Uh, but dude, thank you so much.